If you're going to Las Vegas, there's one thing you should remember. The house always wins. Except, that's not always true. Oakland Roots travelled to Vegas rooted to the bottom of the USL Championship, but they left town after handing the Las Vegas lights a proper beating. Three goals, three points, and one of the best wins in the club's history. This week, we dissect the Roots' victorious Vegas road trip. Then we discuss what it means to be a football club playing in the second division of US soccer. Later, we profile the start of the men's and women's college seasons and conclude with a look at what's happening in the NSL and UPSL. If you come to Vegas, prepare to lose, but enjoy the success when you win. Just don't forget to turn the lights off when you leave. Oh wait, the Roots already did that. This is Hella Football. Hello everyone, we're back once again with another episode of Hella Football. I'm Simon Campbell, here again with Doug Zimmerman. Doug, how are you doing? Well, pretty good. Um, you know, I'm enjoying the uh, the uh, aftermath of the uh, the Roots game where they uh, had a nice comeback. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Um, 3-1 win against Las Vegas. Before we go any further, just have to ask, um, I've heard it said numerous times, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, is that right? That's the uh, the marketing uh, uh, claim, yeah. Okay, so if like the, I don't know, if the governor of Nevada is listening or Floyd Mayweather or anyone, forgive us, we're about to talk about what happened in Vegas, but in this instance, it's highly worthy. A great win for the Roots. Um, Doug, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it was an impressive win. The, uh, after you know, good first half when both teams had some, you know, half chances. The uh, second half started off with uh, a poor clearance, which led to, uh, you know, Vegas scoring a, a nice goal. It was a pretty goal um, to get up early, like three minutes into the second half, they went up by a goal. And the Roots, who during this unbeaten streak, which has now reached four games, um, have been coming back from behind to get positive ties or, or wins. And uh, it didn't seem like they were really phased. They scored four minutes later. Um, Jose Hernandez had a nice strike. And then uh, then a beautiful goal for the second goal to take the lead on a counterattack mm-hmm. um, that, you know, all three players, I mean, especially Quincy Amakara and um, uh, Linda Mifeka, you know, were, had some really nice plays and, you know, and, Jordan after the game said it was probably the nicest team goal of the year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, Bokia, who's, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of and always looks threatening, you know, just missing one chance, but then getting that second chance and delivering a really beautiful, I think, experience goal where he kind of fooled the uh, Vegas keeper by quickly poking it past the near post when before he was ready mm-hmm. um, to get that, you know, the, uh, the game that just like, be iced it. The goal that just iced the game, and so uh, great result by the Roots. You know, really looks like, um, like we mentioned earlier, they hopefully were turning the tide. And you know, after last night, you got to think they really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Really impressive performance. The, the team like, across the pitch, I thought they were, they were strong performances by pretty much everyone. Um, first half, yeah, pretty even. Um, Roots have the better of the early exchanges. I thought. Started very brightly, um, and really, yeah, in the second half, though, going a goal, 
down at that time. Could have easily um, gone against them. But I think to, to Coach Farrell's immense credit, tactical change at the break, bringing in um, Captain Walfo again, like he really um, made a difference when he came on. Um, just yeah, again, using his experience, um, slight tactical shift as well. Um, going from what I think was a 4-3-3 in the first half to more of a 4-2-3-1 seemed to really, um, really help the team. And yeah, that second half was really, really impressive. Um, some good players on that Las Vegas team. It was a good time to play them. I think their form was pretty patchy. Uh, one win in seven games um, before last night. But yeah, the Roots have got to be very pleased with um, the contribution of a number of players and some really high performances. And like you said, the goals, um, the second one especially, a bit of a bobbly finish, but still a fantastic team move. Um, and yeah, really, really nice um, assist from Linda Mefeka. And, and yeah, just really impressive. So yeah, all round, hats off to, to the Roots. Big win for them. Four games have beaten now. And yeah, very impressive performance. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I mean, definitely think what Walfall has, you know, I agree, you know, that he came in and really uh, helped, you know, change the tide. But, you know, Quincy Amakar is, you know, he does have, he's having these little, that experience that he brings really does show. Because on that second goal, um, when, you know, it was a free kick for Vegas that got cleared out to midfield, he just went, get the first touch, just got behind the the defense. And, you know, it just was perfect buildup because he just was able to go down and then give credit to Mefeka because he was just, booking down the midfield and mm -hmm. a nice path to Mefeka and then a the beautiful square pass that from Mefeka to to Chewy and um Chewy Enriquez who had the you know I mean yeah he kind of mishit it but it actually was a you know it still was a you know got enough on it to just get it right over the keeper's hand he got a hand on it but just it's a nice finish and it was you know it's it's cool to see the team coming together playing better um you know Chewy is a, a player that you know he actually set up the first goal mm. uh, to, to Jose Hernandez and, you know, and scored the second goal. So that's one player um, I forgot to mention the other time, but he's consistently been a, a quality player and, you know, and, and he helped out two times there um, mm. to, to the, to the goals, the first two goals that the, the roots had. So it's just really, uh, you know, it's good to see the team coming together um, at a time when it's, you know, it's taken a while, but, you know, seems like now all the off-field issues are kind of hopefully resolved, and they've gotten some reinforcements on the uh, the team. It looks like you know they're gonna have a really interesting last couple months of the year. Um, yeah, just echo that. Chuy uh, Enriquez, yeah, fantastic contribution for for the first goal, lovely cross, um, very well taken as well. I thought, um, yeah, lovely takedown, and um, yeah, strong finish by Hernandez. But yeah. Team were just doing really well. Um, was impressed once again with um, Soya Takashi. Mm -hmm. Did some, yeah, on both ends, like really strong defensively yesterday, and then yeah, bursting forward and producing a lovely cross with his left foot as well for yeah. one that flashed right across the the goal. Shout out to the keeper as well, Bronchek. Lovely um, um, couple of saves. It, throughout the game, not to say that Las Vegas didn't have their chances, they did, um, but yeah, he, he stood up and yeah, kept, kept the roots in it a couple of times. So yeah, fairly open game, but yeah, very impressive contribution from yeah, pretty much everyone on the pitch. So 
Um, yeah, I think that the Roots have got to take confidence from this one. Um, the way that they played, the way they switched things around, um, demonstrated that hopefully, like this, the score with players coming back um, to fitness, um, strength in numbers, people coming off the bench, making tangible difference to, to how the team performed, a number of players kind of running themselves into the ground. Um, yeah, from start to finish, um, pressing, running, really encouraging to see. Yeah, and, and Johnny Rodriguez, who just came back from injury, he he set up Akuya for that third goal, um, mm. substitute late uh, substitute. So, um, you know, it's great to see, you know, yeah, like you're saying, the bench players coming in, you know, after the starters have given it their all and coming in and delivering a, you know, insightful pass that really, you know, helped ice the game. So uh, the only thing, um, you know, it's great that the roots now are only three points behind Vegas uh, to climb out of the uh, the Pacific uh, standings, um, get out of the basement, which they've been rooted in for quite some while. But uh, they're still, even with the better uh, form right now, they're still, I believe, eight points behind fourth place. Mm -hmm. They have two games in hand still from the teams that are in the playoff position. So, you know, if they can win them, that's good. But they're, they have a tough test coming up on Wednesday night um, when they return home. Uh, well, they're home away from home, uh, Las Positas. Um, mm -hmm. They're going to be uh, facing off against Phoenix Rising, which have, uh, you know, claimed two victories over them and are definitely the, the cream of the crop, um, you know, in the, in, the, in the Pacific. So um, it's, you know, the, it, but it's good. I mean, they're coming in now. They're playing really well. It's going to be a really interesting game on Wednesday night to uh, see mm -hmm. Uh, you know, against the best, how they're how they're shaping up. Um, it wouldn't be a roots game without some discussion of the turf. Um, I have to say, like <laughs> the Las Vegas field was not looking um, in tip-top shape. Um, yeah, there were a couple of patchy, very patchy uh, patches of the field. Um, and it's interesting that he's Phoenix again. I'm talking of pitches, given um, what we had last. Yeah. Last time out, <laughs> it's, it's probably a good thing they're playing in um, at Las Pasitas, which is a natural turf field because they were the coach there was uh, when they had the first game at Laney and the turf mm. was newly installed. The coach was like was trying to say, "Oh, this field's not going to be quality. We're going to probably have to not be able to play it right before the game, even though USL had already certified the field." So, uh, but looking at the last two games in New Mexico and. Uh, the Vegas, which are played in two baseball stadiums where mm. the turf and both of them were not tip top <laughs> to say the, the way, you know, either your place. It's kind of surprising that so uh, the roots had so much, uh, you know, guff given at to them for their field when, you know, some of these other teams are playing on fields that are not, you know, pristine. So uh, not saying that, you know, you know, they're, they're not playable for sure, but it just feels like watching some of these other fields it definitely makes you feel like, man, I, I you know, that, that new, that turf field that the roots have now is, is, you know, acres above, you know, what some of these teams are playing on a uh, mm -hmm. game, game basis and that and Las Positas for sure too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If any extra spice were needed, then perhaps that's it for, for Wednesday's game. happens in Vegas stays in Vegas unless you podcast about it.
Doug, I had one thought um, watching this this game between Las Vegas Lights and, and Oakland Roots. Um, obviously, you've got the the teams there on the field, but especially with Las Vegas, um, you've also got some other teams kind of in the background, as it were. Um, primarily, I'm thinking of LAFC. I think in the the starting eleven for Las Vegas, there were five LAFC players. High, the vast majority of them highly promising prospects, um, affiliate players, youth players. Yeah, some some really, really impressive um, youngsters. Kind of raises interesting questions um, with regards to fans, um, supporters, clubs, how this kind of fits within the, the wider firmament of US soccer. Um, to their credit, like Las Vegas fans, yes, they were making a, a bunch of noise, a great atmosphere. It was dog night, there were paddling balls with kids on the side of the pitch, all nice, drums, good noise. I guess not to, not in any kind of uh, derogatory way, but it kind of was thinking like, if you're a fan of Las Vegas lights, cheering on these youngsters, um, who is it that you're supporting? What are you supporting? You obviously want your team to win, but many of these players will have an eye or ambitions that extend far beyond Las Vegas. Um, they obviously want to make it big in the game. All credit to them for that. Good luck to them. But um, if you're a fan of Las Vegas, what is it that you're really supporting? You know, who who are you supporting? What kind of cause? Compare, contrast that with a team like Oakland, rooted in the community, um, very kind of clear in their desire to serve the people of Oakland. Um, and they want that reflected on their roster, the types of players that they recruit. All teams want to win, but some of them have slightly different ways of going about it. And then that's reflected in the way that they um, operate, the way they fill out their rosters. Um, a couple of interesting players um, for Las Vegas, Bryce Duke, I thought was you know, technically one of the you know, head and shoulders almost above a lot of the other players on, on show um, yesterday. You know, lovely, silky skilled midfielder, you know, great technique, um, spent time at, in the Barcelona Residential Academy um, in Arizona there. Rumours that he could have had a trial at, um, at, in, <laughs> at La Masia with Barcelona, but instead opted to go pro with um, LAFC last year. So just to kind of extend that analogy, watching the two teams yesterday, in the background, there's LAFC. And behind that, there's, you know, you can extend it in many ways, but there's like academy teams feeding into feeder clubs. And then just to zoom out and go to the kind of geopolitical level, there's people like uh, clubs like FC Barcelona with uh, financial interests, trying to source players in far from corners of the world, um, operating academies and so on. But yeah, just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that and how a team like Las Vegas fits within the, the structure, the landscape um, of US soccer and what that means for, for fans and players. Kind of interesting, really. Yeah, I, I, you bring up a good point, and I, I think that's one of the, you know, interesting issues supporting a team in a, the USL um, is, and some of this will change next year because right now um, there are teams like the like Vegas, like LA Galaxy 2, Tacoma Defiance, who, you know, essentially are just, you know, uh, farm teams for for their their better you know the upper their MLS sides, 
and you know I as you're stating like a lot of the players might be there for one game might be there for a couple games might go away might be back you know different different situations so I feel like it's got to be really difficult for a fan in that situation where you don't know what's going to happen I mean the USL can be a transitory league as it is uh, you know from you know a lot of players might not even play more one or two years with the team but um when you have that group of players that have their eye on a bigger prize uh, you know and all, everybody in the stands knows that uh, it, it's got to be difficult for to get that connection with the the, the fans that are there um you know, the atmosphere was good at the the uh, the Vegas game. I, I mean, I thought they had a nice supporter section. You mm-hmm. know, they're making noise the whole the whole ninety. But it's just a really, I think it's kind of an awkward th- awkward situation. And, and you know, MLS is starting up the reserve leagues next year, and um, I know some of the teams are going to be joining that. Um, I know, I don't think Vegas is you know going to be. I think they'll still be in the league, but I know some some of the teams are and or if not this year the year after that and i think that's just one of the dilemmas of supporting teams in the usl is just this whole dynamic between independent teams like sacramento you know the oakland you know next year it'll be the monterey bay you know teams that this is their top team playing versus these farm teams and i i think for me it it, it takes a little bit of the interest a little bit of excitement away playing like a b team for someone else um you know, I mean, I'd much rather watch a Sacramento game than watch a LA Vegas, you know, where, you know, where you kind of know the players are going to be the same, mostly for Sacramento. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting dilemma. As a fan, I, I just think luckily the Roots fans can be happy with the knowledge that, you know, this is their, their A team that's coming out there. Like they, this is what they want to do. And hopefully, you know, like you're saying, they're being true to their their ideas and their roots about what they want to have for for fans, but I think for Vegas it's going to be hard. I, I've heard that even you know a lot of the, the team itself practices in LA during the week and only comes to Vegas for the game. So there's, there's a lot of really you know interesting things to be a supporter for a team like that. So I I, mm-hmm. I, kinda, I think it's just difficult, and I think unfortunately that's just the state of the USL, and that might shake up a bit in the next couple of years with you know the mls reserve league coming into um rotation and some of the teams you know putting their reserves in there um and that could be interesting what that says for usl itself you know what's going to happen to the league if they lose some of their teams mm-hmm. uh so it's all a little bit up in the air but it really it's a yeah, it's a really interesting point it's a really good point you brought up and um you know wonder what's going to happen yeah it's is it another thing i was thinking about as well is like it's, it's great to give these youngsters um, opportunities, consistent playing time. You know, it's obviously going to stand them in very good stead when it comes time to, to push on in their careers. Experience as a teenager, again, I think there's well, a couple of 17-year-olds you know, before, um, lost out on the night. But yeah, names to watch for, for sure, like Tony Leon, central defender, 17 years old, putting a, a pretty impressive performance against... Um, two very ex- experienced um, roots forwards, um, one tackle late on, phenomenal. Yeah, name to watch for sure. And um, Christian Torres in attack, silky smooth, some real nice moves. Again, names to watch, but you have to wonder what it means for like the local 
soccer community as well. Um, you may have, obviously Las Vegas is a pretty sizable um, metropolitan area with a big population. All credit to um, the lights for trying to push the game forward there. Um, but local players, um, local clubs and stuff, you see um, a team of this stature um, in the USL, you'd be hoping perhaps that it would act as a kind of feeder for some of those local players, some of that local talent, some of the, the, the coaches and, um, and players there, giving them a platform. Perhaps, I'm not sure if this is definitely the case, but perhaps having relationships with a, an MLS club hundreds of miles away detracts um, from that somewhat. There's the danger that that's the case. Uh, where's the impetus? Where's the, um, the opportunity for, for that local talent to, to funnel into or through or populate this this squad and sharing some of the benefits that that it brings that's a concern i would say um but yeah credit to to some of those players and and the work that the vegas las vegas lights are doing um hope it can come through and yeah there's certainly some names to watch in in the, those lafc players that are um enjoying time with with them but it does kind of raise a lot. You can ask, I think, fairly legitimate questions of a structure of this, this nature and how it feeds out into the wider, um, wider population and local soccer community as well. Yeah, and to, and to give Roots credit, um, they ha had on the roster this season uh, Danny Flores, who was a, from Half Moon Bay. Mm. He was in the, uh, I think he was in the Philly Union um, system for a while. Um, but he, you know, Decided to go to college. Uh, he's going to play at Virginia Tech, and he signed a USL developmental developmental contract, which is you know non-paid contract, but you get to do professional experience. So Danny Flores, for from you know May until you know beginning of August, got to play you know against high quality uh, play before he went to college, and that's only going to help him and you know and go to one of the best teams in the men's college scene. And for him to be able to play for a couple months, you know, giving a chance to a local product, uh, you know, a guy from Half Moon Bay to, to play for a couple months, you know, before he went to college was it was a great opportunity, great experience uh, for him, and you know, helped out the team too. Um, and I know there's two other players uh, who I don't know much about, uh, Javier Morona and Marco Brower, that the Roots have also signed uh, to USL developmental contracts that are um, local players. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. This, you know, I think. You know, the Roots definitely want to develop it, but you know it's not. It's they are having that focus on developing these players that are local, not bringing these guys from different places. So, yeah, I think that's a really good. You know, you can have the development, but I think yeah, having some where you, that connection with the local community. I mean, Vegas must have a, a plenty of players that are high quality. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be great if they could you know somehow connect the local community. And fortunately, Oakland is doing that, which is smart because you know. Oakland needs to develop a, some kind of, you know, some a type a pipeline, you know, they've got, you know, Johannes Harish has, you know, come up, Johnny Rodriguez, who's not local, I mean, he's from South, Southern California, but, you know, you had, you know, you had Jaron uh, um, Weir, so you had a couple of players mm -hmm. that, you know, played on the NISA team and, you know, are featuring really well on their, their USL team, so it's the, you know, I think that emphasis on you know, encouraging those roots with local players and developing those local players is only going to have long-term benefits for Oakland um, as they continue to uh, grow as a club.
Yeah. Um, and just yeah, to put it on the record, shout out to Danny Flores, in my opinion, at least one of perhaps arguably, I think, the, the player of the season in the early earlier rounds for such a young player, yeah, really stood up uh, at what was in all honesty a fairly challenging uh, moments for the team, but put in several um, very mature performances, technically gifted, a name to watch again. Um, but yeah, good luck to him. Um, and yeah, I'm sure like the, the whole of Bay Area soccer community will be cheering him on. Um, and looking forward to seeing how he progresses. But yeah, as you mentioned, like this experience they got earlier um, this season, it's going to be pretty valuable. So yeah, best of luck to him. All right, Doug, let's, uh, let's take another break there. When we return, let's talk some more college soccer. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to listen to Hella Football. Okay, so um, college soccer. Doug, what's been going down? So soccer never ends, uh, especially in the Bay Area. There's always something coming up after NPSL and some of the summer leagues uh, finished up. They are, the college season is starting up. uh, Some of the college kids played in NPSL or, you know, during the season just to see fresh. But uh, the men's uh, teams are starting up next weekend. Uh, some of the women's college teams have actually already started their seasons. Uh, just to, you know, I'm gonna, first off about the women's team, you know, Santa Clara had an amazing run through the, uh, the, uh, the college cup last year and uh, finished off with a really, really great win against Florida State and claimed the title, the first uh, national title since 2003 two i believe it was um or 2001 i think it was a 20 year uh, difference uh, you know they, even though last year this title was definitely called the 2020 college cup you know happened 2021 because of the, the pandemic you know delaying it but uh you know essentially it's a 20 year different goal and and so jerry smith one of the you know one of the legends of soccer in the, the bay area um you know they they're able to to get that victory and so santa clara um is coming back this year they're probably gonna be just as uh, just as strong um, because of because of the pandemic, uh, NCAA has allowed players that were seniors last year to have one more year of eligibility, and you know their their primary goal scorer Kelsey Turnbow is, is back. A couple of the other really important pieces uh, um, for Santa Clara are back as well. So um, they won their first game of, of the season against uh, San Jose State last weekend. Um, so it's it's going to be a really they're going to be right back in that conversation. And, you know, and as the Bay area, the, the team that won it before that, which was the Stanford Cardinals, they had a bit of a disappointing season last year and um, they are going to look, be looking to rebound too and should have a much better season this year. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, additions that they lost from their, their championship team. Um, and so hopefully that will, they'll be right back up there. Um, and Cal women also had one of the uh, top recruiting classes in the nation for women's soccer. So it's going to be on the women's side, there's a lot, uh, a lot of really exciting teams, a lot of really interesting teams to follow. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll, 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 we'll be following there, um, on the men's side, um, one of the soccer Bay, Bay area, the, 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 the blog we have up here is the, um, one of our writers, uh, Michael Cohen, is the, the, 
done a little bit of research and the men's is going to be just as interesting as well. Uh, Stanford, you know, just as strong in the women's side is also strong in the men's side. And they open up the season as the number eight uh, team in the, in the preseason ranks mm-hmm. and will definitely be contending for, uh, you know, Pac-12 crown again this year and should be right up there, um, you know, on there. St. Mary's uh, was uh, a top 25 team. And for, unfortunately, because the College Cup was condensed, the amount of players, teams that made it to it, they did not make the, uh, the postseason tournament. So they should be right up there again. And uh, Cal as well is um, going to be up there. They had a really interesting season. They were kind of all over the place last year, but they uh, should be uh, right up there too. And then Santa Clara is, I mean, you know, the women's team is, is kind of starting up, but they're also um, have a good, uh, you know, a, a good solid group that's returning most of their players. And then um, USF has got a little bit of a, of a challenge. They, uh, you know, Leonard Griffith well, left, who was their coach last year left and they've been replaced by Chris Brown and uh, also, so they've have a you know they have some turnover there, so it'll be really interesting to see what's going on there. And San Jose State um, is also looking pretty strong too. They had a they made it to the, the quarterfinals of their postseason tournament, and they hopefully will be challenging for um, you know the the WAC title this year. So you know on the women's and on the men's side, there's a lot going on. Um, this season's going to be a little bit longer, a little bit, hopefully less crazy than the season was last year. Uh, you know, a lot of teams, I mean, the USF, USF women's team had several games canceled because of, you know, COVID outbreaks. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the Santa Clara women's team who, you know, they didn't, they had to play games on the road or they couldn't even play at Santa Clara. It was a really, really difficult year because of Santa Clara had some of the toughest COVID restrictions of any county in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, and not playing in front of fans. So they, they played their first game in front of fans the other day, um, you know, in, in like a year and a half. So it's or almost two years, I guess. But so it's been, you know, it's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, it's a lot of exciting teams, a lot of, yeah. lot of quality. So, um, you know, it's, you know, be great if we get, uh, get some repeat champions, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this year around. Yeah, I think it's close for that. <laughs> okay, before we go today, um, some interesting developments in the, the lower reaches of uh, um, lower league soccer in the Bay Area. Doug, what are your thoughts with uh, um, UPSL, NSL developments there? Some interesting things going on. Yeah, uh, Blair Omega, who uh, played in the NSL uh, last uh, this year, their the first season at the NSL happened um, and finished strong and was in the championship game, uh, but uh, lost to uh, Atletico East Bay. Um, they uh, are jumping from the NSL to the UPSL for the fall season. NSL is just a, a spring summer league. Um, UPSL is a has two leagues that spring summer and then a, a fall league. 
So there's been a lot of interesting competition going on between those two leagues. The uh, UPSL, I mean, I'd essentially say they're like they're the fifth division. Or, you know, you go top three professional leagues. There's NPSL, which is definitely the most quality um, semi-pro league, or you know, still amateur, but you know. And then there's UPSL and NSL that are below that, and UPSL is pretty much firmly control of that, um, but several of those teams switched to the, new, the NSL, which offered a, you know, a lower, you know, operating fees and expenses and, and that they had to pay the league, um, but had a, a good number of, I think they have about a 12 teams or, or something right now for that league. And it's looking to grow. Uh, so there's this year, the US UPSL and NSL were kind of, kind of duking it out in that fifth division, trying to see who's can, can get the teams and get the, uh, you know, the, the bragging rights. So for Vallejo Omega, who was one of the more quality teams in the league to, to jump to UPSL, it's a little interesting continuing that uh, going on. And the, the head coach, uh, co-head coach for the team, Jonathan Tuzan, who was quoted by um, the Vallejo Times-Herald, which has been covering the team, essentially said that they made the jump to UPSL because they want to, league that's a little bit more run well uh, and they had some nsl there were some issues with scheduling and referees and so this you know in the fall season they're going to be able to just have a game scheduled and everything like that so and project 510 which is the uh, developmental team for the oakland roots you know they are going to join they join usl league two which is last two years is not happening so they actually are going to be filling a team this fall as well in the upsl um, so the continued development of the younger players. So, you know, it, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting for the UPSL. There's going to be, you know, uh, some, some local teams that are competing in there, you know, as we were talking earlier, you know, it's an opportunity for some of these kids to develop in, uh, in that environment. So, um, it's, uh, you know, same time NSL is growing, still adding teams, still trying to do that. So it's going to, a little bit of drama going on in the fifth division, mm -hmm. jumping leagues, but. It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Yeah, hopefully we'll be covering some of this in the, the, the weeks and months to come. Um, some interesting teams, obviously interesting leagues as well. Um, and yeah, always the hope that some local players perhaps ignored, overlooked, um, not able to access opportunities at other levels of the game can find their way and perhaps, you know, make something of, of talents that have gone unnoticed uh, whatever reason but yeah we'll be interesting for that to see how that plays out and yeah we'll definitely be covering some of that in the, the weeks to come yeah. well, well good stuff Doug I think that's that's everything for this week um but yeah good win for the roots lots of other interesting stuff going on in the Bay Area football scene as always so yeah take it easy take care Simon uh fun chatting as always cheers guys take care see you next time What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, unless you podcast about it.